parenthood was coming quickly our way to my wife and myself. And um, my wife w- was pretty prepared for this. I was completely unprepared for it. And, and so I, I still remember that um, we had gone through some birthing classes. That helped a little bit because I didn't know anything about anything when it came to all of that. And so I went through the birthing classes and I thought, okay, I think I get it a little bit more. And and so in the mid-80s, what you need to know is that it was all about natural childbirth. I mean, women were literally martyrs when they were having their babies and no, no pain, anything, you know. And you got shamed if you didn't. So my wife was like on board for that. She's like, okay, you know, we're, we're going to do natural childbirth, you know. And, and so uh, the day was coming and, and uh, the doctor was off by about three weeks on calculations of when uh, Karen was going to be expecting or when she had the baby. So three weeks go by and I'm losing sleep at night. I have my suitcase packed. And just waiting for the big moment. And, then, and so I came home one day. I had a construction job at the time. I walked in the door, and she looked at me, and she said, it's time. And so it just completely freaked out. I started running around the house. And, it, I mean, I, did, so I was grabbing the suitcase, and I was running to the car, and I was running around. And my, my wife goes, Steve, calm down. I mean, she should have been the one that was freaking out, but I was the one. And, and so finally we get to the car and I can't even get the car in reverse. I remember I had my little silica, and I'm grinding gears. And again, she goes, calm down, calm down. You're going to kill us. So we have about a 45-minute drive to the hospital um, through a bunch of turns. And I'm driving like a maniac, and she's yelling at me the entire way, only to be at the hospital and sit there for 22 hours of labor. <laughs> get there. And, and so, you know, at some point, like maybe, I don't know, 15 hours in or whatever it was, I'm thinking, I got this thing. I did my birthing classes, you know, like it's on me, right? And, and so we're going to be out. And so we actually, we pulled out this game we used to play back then called Trivial Pursuit. And we're playing the game. And, and so we have a monitor right in front of us. And every once in a while, you know, Karen has a contraction. And, and it kind of shows up. And, and she'd go, hang on. And she'd go. And I, you know, I had my breathing technique down with her, right? So I'm breathing through with her. And I'm going, this is like, this is a piece of cake, I, you know? And then suddenly... It hits the monitor, and it goes way up. And I looked at it, and I go, wow, that was a big one. And I looked at her, and she goes, put the game away. <laughs> and I'm like, what? what? What just happened? Everything changed in a moment like that. Her, like her head spun a couple of times. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And so, and I couldn't do anything right after that. Get out of my face. You're breathing wrong. You smell like coffee. On and on and on. <laughs> like, what am I going to do? And so, finally, she has little Rachel. And uh, by, by the way, when I'm walking out the door, this is us walking out. That's actually us. And that is not, I'm not putting that face on. I mean, literally, that's how scared I am as we're walking out the door to go ha- ha- have the baby. <laughs> look, how, look how calm she is. She's going, this is going to be fine. I'm freaking out. And so this is, uh, this is afterwards. So that's little Rachel, and, you know, we've, we've had the baby uh, and so I'm pretty calm, but then, you know, uh, we're on the way home, and this is, this is Rachel, so, I mean, and with Karen, and my wife was just made to be a mom, and, and when I look at this room, and I know that a lot of you are moms out there, I mean, God just made you for this, and, uh, but not, not so much always for the men, at least in my particular case, and so as, as we're driving home, I remember thinking to myself, I have no idea how to handle this. I don't know how to change a diaper. I don't know anything about babies. I mean, my whole, just when I grew up, it just wasn't that way. It was me and dad and hanging out and being, doing guy stuff. And now I've, I've got little, little Rachel there. And it just, it just terrified me. 
It was, it was like the kind of the, the giant in my life. Like, how am I going to, to deal with? And so today, we're going to really, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how do I overcome the giant problems in my life. Now, all of us have problems. Like, if you're here today and you don't have a problem, you can say, absolutely, I have not one problem in my life. I want you to reach down. I want you to just grab your pulse, okay? Because you're dead. Everybody, I mean, everybody has problems. But today, we're going to address the big problems, the giant problems that come in, in, into, into our life. And so uh, we're going to see it through the story. It's a great story. A lot of you know this story if you grew up in the church. The story of David and Goliath and the giant. And so give me, let me, uh, before we actually jump in and start reading it, um, so he, here's what's happened. Uh, David was anointed to be king by a, a prophet named Samuel when he was 15 years old. Now, that would not come to take place for, for many, many years. But um, he, he, he's called by his dad one day to go to uh, see what's going on with some war situations. Now, the, the king, he was the first king of Israel. His name was Saul. And Saul was not a good king. He started off okay, and then he just, just began to become a really, really bad king. Uh, and as a result of that, he didn't lead well. They had enemies all over this place. In particular, they had some enemies called the Philistines. And this is, there was just constant fighting that was going on be- between Israel and the Philistines. And so David gets called onto the scene to go see what's going on. And so this is where we're going to pick up the story. Chapter 17 of 1 Samuel, beginning with verse 20. Early in the morning, David left the flock with a shepherd and loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. Jesse was his dad. And he reached the camp as the army was going out to battle its battle positions, shouting the war cry. And Israel and the Philistines were drawn up their lines facing each other. They were in this, this valley called Elah. Uh, and so there was one... Here's the way that they would do it back then is on one side of the ravine is the Israelites. On the other side of the ravine is the Philistines. And they're just kind of looking each other over, like, okay, what are we going to do here? Um, David left his, left his things with the keeper of the supplies, and he ran to the battle lines and greeted his brothers. And as he was, as he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out in front of his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. That's really important. David heard it. He heard it in a different way, apparently, than the Israelites heard it. And when the Israelites saw the man, they all ran from him in great fear. Now, the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He, he comes out to defy Israel, and the king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage, and will exempt his father's family from taxes in Israel. What this shows is the absolute desperation of not only Israel, but of Saul. Now, Saul is about probably in his mid-50s at this point. He's no longer a, a fighting man himself. I mean, he's, he's got his armor and his, his sword, but he doesn't want to go out and do battle with this guy. He just doesn't feel he's capable. So he's looking for somebody who will take on the giant. And back in the way that they did war in ancient Israel and biblical times, as many times they would say, we'll pick our champion, you pick your champion, and they'll fight. And whoever wins, then that's who's going to win the battle and we'll be subjected to you or you'll be subjected to us. So David asked the men standing near him, who, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? That's kind of an unusual term, right? This, this Philistine, this, this uncircumcised Philistine. Like, 
So you say, well, you know, what does that mean? So I want you to think of the most derogatory thing that you can call a person, and that's what it is. It is their way of just, like, going low, all right? They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him, and he said, why have you come down here, and with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now what have I done, said David. Can I even speak? He then turned away to somebody else, and he brought up the same matter. And the men answered him as before. And what David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no one lose account of this Philistine. Your servant will go out and fight him. Well, how do we talk about dealing with the giants in our life? Have you ever noticed that giants are intimidating? Whether it's a person or whether it's a situation or maybe even a corporation or it's a disease or it's an addiction, whatever it is, they they intimidate us and they they cause us to to, to have fear in, in our life. Notice the reaction here in verse 24. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Now, this has been going on for, if you read the chapter before, this has been going on for 40 days. So for 40 days, these guys are just freaking out. And, 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 and then here, here comes David, and he sees the giant for what it really is. Uh, giant Goliath champion from Gath, this huge guy, steps out from the lions. And notice what he does. He shouted his defiance. Isn't that what our problems do to us? They say, I'm big. I'm strong. I can devour you. That's, and, and we get intimidated. And have you noticed that usually, uh, as time goes on, you get more and more afraid? See, for 40 days this had been going on. The reaction of the Israelites when they heard him yell, they just like, they hit it for the hills. Ah! They're all running. David brings in a different perspective. David comes along, and he looks at this, and he's not been in this there for 40 days, and so he hasn't had that fear growing in him. He sees this, and he says, somebody, somebody needs to do something about this. This is one of the reasons that when you're going through a big problem, you need a friend. You need somebody who's going to bring a different perspective because you've been looking at that problem for a long time and you think it's insurmountable. It's an obstacle I can't overcome. You just want to run from it. You want to sometimes deny it, however you deal with that huge problem in your life. And you need that person who would come up next to you and say, you know, I see it differently. I know that it's, to you, huge. I I know it seems to you, you could never overcome this, but I'm telling you, you can't. You need that person to help you. And you need to actually identify what is the giant in your life. As you've walked in here this morning, what would you say is the biggest problem in your life right now? Is it in a person? Is it in a situation that you just seemingly just can't overcome? Does it have something to do with your career? Is it maybe about an addiction that you just can't beat? Is it about maybe one of your children? Maybe, maybe your aging parents? What is, what is the biggest giant in your life and you just can't overcome it? So just for a moment, I want you just as we're, because this is going to help you a lot. I'm just telling you right now, get your mind, get your heart, get your brain about this, okay? What, is, what, is, what can I do about the giant that's in my life? 
where you got, you got to tap into the power and the resources that God gives to you to be able to take that giant on, whatever it would be, and you do it through God. David said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should deny the armies of the living God. He brings a completely different perspective. He sees it. He says, no, we're, we're, gonna, we're not going to run from this guy anymore. We're not going to live in fear anymore. Have you noticed that the longer you put your problem off, the greater the fear is, the more anxiety that you have, probably the more sleepless nights that you have? I mean, there just has to come a point where you say, oh, we're, we're going to do something about this. And so the Lord, we need to just tap, tap into the Lord what, what he gives to us. I remember the, one of the very first giants I faced, I was uh, in fifth grade. And to me, Tony was a giant. Tony was a bully. And uh, I, I was having some real issues with him. I'd, I'd come to school, and I was a really skinny kid, and Tony was a huge kid. He was, like, he, he was just like what you would picture, a stereotypical bully. And so the problem was he was in my classroom. I couldn't get away from this guy. I was, I was a super fast runner, but when I'm in the classroom and... That's just the way it was. So he'd come up behind me, and he'd always pop me right in the back of the neck, go, boom! And so, you know, I turn around, and this huge guy is there, and I'm like, uh, Tony, could you not do that? You know, and that wasn't working. And then, you know, he started taunting me, he started making fun of me. I didn't want to go to school. I just, it was one of those situations, like, what am I going to do about this guy? So I, I came to my dad, and I said, Dad, I got this horrible situation, and, and, and so, you know, I, I tell him all about it. And, and so I'm thinking that my dad's going to call his dad. We can get this all settled, and I'll be okay. Oh, no, 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 no. My old school is Sicilian dad. He did things differently. He goes, well, you got to fight him. I said, Daddy, he's huge. I can't fight this guy. He goes, no, no. He goes, Steve, if you run away from a bully, every other bully is going to line up behind that one. you got to learn how to handle yourself. I said, okay. What, what am I going to do? He says, well, I'm going to help you. And, and so he did. He, went, he bought some boxing gloves. He brought him home, and for about three weeks straight, um, he taught me how to box, and it was kind of fun. One time he gave me a black eye. It was kind of interesting. You know, I came to school with a black eye, but anyway, so he's teaching me how to box, and so, um, you know, that one day comes, and, and sure enough, you know, Tony comes up behind me, bam, and I'm like, oh, man, and I spun around, and I said, I will see you on the play yard after school. I couldn't believe I said it. And you know what? He always had this, like, really, like, this grin, this kind of, yeah, and his face just fell, and he goes, what? I said, I'll see you after school in the playground. And he goes, okay. I saw, it was the first time I saw it, like, a different expression on his face. So, sure enough, you know, after school, the word must have got out because there was a huge crowd out there. There's literally at least 50, maybe 75 students out there and they made a big old circle. And by the way, this isn't the day of zero tolerance. I mean, they didn't have zero tolerance back then. So just so you know, because you're like, so you, you young ones are going, how, how could you even allow this to happen? Well, that's the way life was back then, okay? <laughs> this is the way it was, man. You had to deal with it. And so I'm in the, there's no teachers present, no nothing. I'm out there, and, and, and as I'm walking up, and I see Tony there, it's like late afternoon, the sun's going down, and literally his, his body eclipses the sun. And I'm, I'm like, He's bigger than I thought he was. As I face him, I'm like, oh, my gosh. And so what are you going to do, right? It's, it's the moment. So, you know, I, I put my hands up, and he put his hands up. And, and my dad had said this. He said, Steve, you can beat this guy. And he, he said, describe him to me. And I said, how was to describe? He's huge. And he says, is he fat huge? And I said, yeah. He says, then he's probably slow. And my dad was right. 
He took a swing at me, totally, I, I just made him miss every time. Every time he took a swing, I popped him in the face. And I did it over and over. I almost got tired of hitting his face. His face was all bloodied up and everything, you know, and I'm thinking, what is this fight going to ever end? I'm tired of hitting this guy. And at some point, Tony does something uh, out of desperation. He lunges, and, and he goes like, and he lands on top of me. And I'm like, whoa, you know. So now he's on top of me, and he goes, give up. <laughs> I go, sure, Tony. We got up. He walked away. I never had to face that bully again. Well, I would face more bullies later on because we would move to the next school. But my dad taught me a great principle there. You can't run from the bullies in your life. You know, you, you just can't. You, you got to face them, whatever those bullies will be in, in your life. And I think David understood this as well. The, the Bible says the Lord gives strength in Psalms 29, 11. The Lord gives strength to his people. Do you believe that? Do you, I mean, you're facing a problem right now. Do you actually believe that God will give you strength if you face your problem? And the Lord blesses his people with peace. God wants to give you peace. So what's robbing you of your joy today? What's, who's ripping off your happiness? And are you willing to finally stand up and do something about it? See, a lot of times, people have this mentality. It's like, I got a giant, and it's me and God against the world. No, it's not. It's you and God and your whole support system. Now, here's the issue that I have with people who say, I don't need to go to church, man. Ocean is my church or some other thing is my church. Just me and God. Guess what? That day when that big insurmountable problem comes in their life, they're going to need a backup team. They're going to need a support team. They're going to need people praying for them. They're going to need people around them that have a different perspective that they can speak into their life. We all need it. And then you've got to remember this. Man, when you've been beat down, you've got to remember who you are. If you have a relationship with Jesus, you are God's anointed. You say, well, what, is, what does that mean? It means that you have all of the resources that God put into your life because you have the Holy Spirit in you, and you have those resources available to, to do what you need to do to, to deal with that giant. You, you are anointed by God. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're anointed by God. Come on, just, just do it. it it's, it'll be good for you. Yeah. Because somebody may have walked in here this morning and they say, oh, I, don't, I, don't, you know, I just feel weak. And so, have, have you ever noticed that giants exploit our vulnerabilities? The, the ultimate giant is Satan himself, but the Bible says that he's already been defeated. But still, our, our, our giants in our life, they come and they hit us below the belt. Like if you have abandonment issues, guess where the enemy is going to hit you? Right there. If you don't feel good about yourself, you can be assured that that giant in your life is going to exploit that all day long. You don't have what it takes. Maybe you're a mom. Man, you don't know how to be a real mom. That's that, that enemy, the lies that come into us. And, 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 and the giant always shouts. It's always that defiant, loud, intimidating voice that they bring into our life. Well, intimidation is one thing, but critique is another. Now, we do need to be open to the people that can speak into our life and bring some instruction, bring some critique, but you always got to reject criticism. A lot of you know this. We have a sermon team that uh, we develop these messages together. We collaborate together. And then after we do that, on a Wednesday, we get together. On Thursdays, we do what we call a sermon run-through. You say, well, what is a, th- a sermon run-through? That's when, uh, like this last Thursday, I, I was up here. I was speaking, uh, not here, but at a different campus. And Eric Roundtree, who is the campus over in El Cajon, I, I critiqued him, and he critiqued me. Now, critique is, is this. Hey, Eric, 
Um, just a couple little tweaks. Man, by the way, you rocked it. It was really good. It's going to be a great message. You're going to do great this weekend. Uh, Eric's saying the same thing to me. Criticism sounds like this. You know what, Eric? Uh, it was terrible. And um, have you ever thought about changing careers? <laughs> I, I don't know. I just, you, you, know, you just you don't bring it. I listen to you over and over again. I, I don't even know how you keep your job, man. Now, that's criticism. And that is not help. So when you're facing the giant and you're afraid, keep your ear attuned to the instructors, to the people that want to speak in your life, to the people that want to help you, but not to the people that are going to, to, to criticize you. So David, but they're just lining up to take David down, right? The first one is his brother. Look, look how his brother talks to him. And before I read what his brother said, understand this. There's eight of them, eight brothers. David is the youngest. This guy right here, Eliab, he's the oldest. Guess who got passed over not to be king? Guess who had all the rights as the firstborn in that particular time and culture? This guy right here. So I get passed over by my little brother. Guess who's got some attitude? So when David... When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the, man, with the men, you know, he says he burned with anger. And, you know, you can imagine all this, how conceited you are. And, it, you know, probably all the words aren't even there. He's just coming down on his brother. So David just, like, goes, nah. You know, David does what we all ought to do. He just ignores the naysayers. When my, uh, my, my oldest son, Stevie, was about uh, five or six years old, I don't know how he got a hold of this word, but naysayer became his word. And so whenever dad or mom or anybody got critical, he'd go, quit naysaying. Quit naysaying. But I thought that was good, man. I think he still uses that word today. But sometimes, you know, especially when you're facing a really difficult problem, something, and you're not, you're just, I don't know if I can do this or not. You got to ignore the, the naysayers. Then he turned away to somebody else. That's what you do. You just turn away, just like David go, eh, whatever, you know, big brother. I'm, I'm not going to listen you, to you right now. And then the next guy lines up, and it's actually the king. So now Saul's going to say something to him, and it's not a critique. It's, it's not really good. So Saul replied, you're not able to go out and fight this Philistine and fight him. In other words, you don't have what it takes. You're, just, you're a young guy. And he's been a warrior. And like, that's not exactly the vote of confidence that David needs, right? Have you ever noticed that before when you, you got that thing and you got fear in your heart, and then somebody says something like that to you, and you're like, so you're saying I can't do this. You're saying I don't have what it takes. Okay, so you're not looking for that person. You're not looking to that, that person. And then finally, the giant himself. Goliath comes out there. He says, am I a dog? You know, that you come up with your sticks. I don't know what a giant sounds like, but I'm just like, he's got this voice. And he curses David by his God. So it's like one, two, three. These guys are just lining up against David. Well, well what's, what's David going to do? He's going to take a step. Now, you may have come in here today and you say, I know I need to do something about this problem. Maybe, maybe it's inside of a marriage, and this has certainly happened to my wife at some point in time, where you're not talking about something and it becomes the elephant in the room, and it's just bothering both of you, and there's a lot of silence in the home, and there's stuff that won't be talked about, and that's the giant right there that needs to be dealt with. And somebody needs to break the silence and say, okay, okay, let's, let's talk about it. It may not be fun, but we, we just need to talk about it. Or maybe you just need to go see a counselor. But you need to do something. You need to do something about that addiction, and everybody knows that it's an addiction, and you're the only one who's denying that it is. It's a giant in your life. What, what, what is it? What is that for you? David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant, he goes, I'm taking the step. 
I'm going to do it. I know you're all afraid, but God is with me, and uh, I, I, I'm prepared for this. I'm, I'm going to go out. I'm, I'm going to do it. Let's, let's read the story. It's such a great story. Verse 34. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, I struck it, and I rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, I struck it, and I killed it. Pretty bad dude. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be just like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. And the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Had, you know, when you're feeling like you can't do it, when you're feeling like you got that, that sinking feeling and you're like, it's just too big, here's what you need to do. You need to think back, like David did, about some of the victories that God has given you in your life. Well, if he got me through that, why wouldn't he get me through this? You know, the Bible says he'll never leave us nor forsake us. He's got our back. And, and, and David knows this. And then Saul dressed David in his own tunic, and he put a coat of armor on him and bronze helmet on his head. And David fastened on his sword over the tunic, and he tried walking around because he was not used to them. What you need to know is that the Bible says that Saul was about a head taller than everybody else, which meant he was probably about a head taller than David. So, you know, he puts on the armor, and it's like, this, this is just not working. Man, there's so, much, there's so many amazing principles that are in this. And, like, one of them is, is this. Like when you go to face your adversary, your giant, your problem, whatever it is, you've got to walk in your own skin, in your own personality. You've got, you got to be who you are. Use your gifts, your skill set, who talent, the talent that God gave you. Don't, don't go use somebody else's. Don't go looking for some manual someplace. You just be you because God made you that way. He, he made you with what you need to get through this life, navigate through this life. And and. and, and David recognized it. He goes, I can't go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. And so he took them off. And then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose five smooth stones from the stream. I love this. He's going, you know, I may not know how to use that armor or that sword, but I know how to sling. Man, I can take a stone and I can sling it. I'm good with that. Put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with a sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shear bear in front of him kept coming closer to David, and he looked David over, and he saw that he was only a boy, ruddy, handsome, and despised him. And he said to David, I'm going to use the giant voice, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his God. Come here, he said. I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and beasts of the field. That would be pretty intimidating, wouldn't it? I mean, the Bible says this guy was like over nine feet tall. He's standing in front of you, and you got a slingshot in your hand. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with a sword, spear, and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you've defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I'll strike you down, and I'll cut off your head. I think he's kind of mad. You know, sometimes I think that when you have a problem or an obstacle, or a giant in your life, you need to get mad. Yeah, you, you, you just say, whatever it is, you've been ripping me off for X amount of days, or years, whatever it is, you need to get mad. Say, I've had enough of this. I'm not going to tolerate this anymore. Today, 
I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel, and all those gathered here will know. They're going to know this, that it's not by the sword or the spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's. You think it's your battle, but if you are a follower of Christ, he's saying, no, 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 no. Bring me into it. It's our battle. Bring, bring the people that are God followers into your life. It's our battle. Don't battle alone. Make it God's battle, and he will give all this into your hands. Verse, verse 48, as, as the Philistine moved close to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him, and reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and he struck the Philistine on the forehead, and the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. <laughs> ground shakes. Wow. What just happened? Well, the Bible says, I'm not going to read the rest of it to you, that the Israelites were like, yeah! And they chased down the Philistines, and there was a great victory for them that day. See, it's, it's, it's not about you just defeating your own giants. See, what you need to know is when you beat a giant down, you've encouraged everybody around you. Because they've seen you take down a problem, and they know it's a problem in your life, and you know it's a problem in your life, and they're going to say, wow, how did you do that? And you're going to be able to tell your God story. You're going to be able to talk about how you overcame whatever it would be in your life. Well, what is that for you in, in your life? What would the next step be for you? You come in here, and God, you just, God's been talking to you about this. You know it's a, it's a problem. Maybe other people know it's a problem. What would that be in, in, in your life? And what is, what is the giant that's trying to stop you right now and hinder you from taking that next step? Our worship team is going to come up here in a moment, and they're going to lead us in a couple of songs. But I don't know if you noticed this. When you walked in, there's a whole bunch of rocks over here and, and over here. And um, there's, a, there's a bunch of markers there. And uh, here, here's what we're going to invite you to do. Because I, I know, inevitably, in, in a group this size, people have walked in when some people have got some giant stuff going on in their life they need to deal with. And so uh, I, while the music is playing and, and just when you feel compelled to do it, maybe you're praying about it, come up here, grab a rock, and write down the giant. Now, when you write it down, I want you to write it down as in a positive way. For instance... Um, if, if it, let's just say it was an addiction, don't write addiction, write healed. Uh, if, if it's a prodigal child and you don't know what to do about that prodigal child, just however you want to say it, but just child came home to God. Write something positive. And that'll be your stone. You're going to sling that stone today right into the face of your enemy. Whatever your enemy, whatever your giant is, you're going to sling that stone. By the way, before you go home, just know this. Your, your children are not your enemy, okay? Just want to bring clarity to that, please, okay? But whatever that thing is out there. So, team, go ahead, go ahead and play. And, and uh, just when you feel, just come on up here. I want to invite you to do it. Write it down. There's no shame in this. I, by the way, I carry, oftentimes, I carry a rock in my pocket. It sounds kind of weird, but I do it, especially when I'm feeling afraid, and it says courage on it. I call, it's my courage rock. So just think about that. Pray about that. Do something today. Take the next step today, whatever that would be for you.